When we think about our country, sometimes people don't like our country. I think our country is by far the greatest nation that's ever existed. Our country stands for freedom, stands for love. Uh, the United States gives away uh, more than all the other countries combined. By the way, you understand that? The United States gives away more than all the other countries in the world combined. As far as missions are concerned, in fact, mission giving, the United States gives over almost 90% of every bit of missions that's given in the entire world comes from the United States. So we are a great country. At the end of World War II, what did the United States do? Under the Marshall Plan, they rebuilt Europe. They rebuilt their enemies. What country rebuilds the enemy they just defeat? We do. You know, this is amazing. Well, this morning, we're going to see something really unusual in the life of Elisha. In fact, the army of Aram comes to kill Elisha. And you'd go, what? Elisha's a prophet of God. He's great. He's done everything. In fact, if you get down to it, you remember he just healed a guy named Naaman who was the captain of the army of the, uh, uh, you know, of Aram. So why are they coming to kill Elisha? What has he done? Well, we're going to see a number of things from this passage. We're going to talk about how do we deal with our enemies? Anybody in here got an enemy at all? Anybody that's uh, ever been against you or is against you now or is somebody you don't really like or maybe it's that relative at Thanksgiving? I mean, wh- whatever, you know, is there, is there just anything? Yeah. How do you deal with people who, who really want to hurt you? I mean, there are people in your lives that actually want to hurt you. And then, so how, do we get them back? What do we do? And we're going to see it as we go through. So a lot in this passage. Two big events. We're going to see the axe head. What, and we're going to say, what's that about? And that's in verses 1 through 7. It won't take very long to see that. And then we're going to see the army of Aram comes to kill Elisha. Why? What's going on? And we'll, we'll have to go through it fairly quickly just because of time and everything. But uh, we'll see how it ties together. So let's start with the first one, the axe head. And uh, we're going to see it's a very simple story, and it's a very simple miracle. But he does miracles. So look at chapter 6, verse 1. Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, Behold, now the place where you uh, place before you where we are living is too limited for us. I mean, they come to him and they say, We've got so many of us that it's not enough room anymore. We need a bigger place. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, you get start getting kids, and you get two or three kids, and you begin to say, I don't know, if we, we're going to have to get a different house because we don't have room for everybody. And, and then he, here's the sons of the prophets, and they're saying to Elisha. Now, remember, Elisha is overseeing them. He's like their mentor, and he's helping train them, and they're called the sons of the prophets. It's sort of like a little seminary-type deal where he's training them, and they come to him, and they say, you know what? It's, uh, we, we don't have room here. And then he says, let's go down to the Jordan and let each one of us from there take a beam and let us make a place there for ourselves where we may live. And so he said, we'll go. He said, let's go down to where the Jordan River is and let's get some wood there because the wood by the river and let's, let's make a place for us to live, a bigger place, so there'll be more room for us. I mean, that makes sense. And, and Elisha says, well... Go ahead. It sounds good to me. Let's go. Then one said, please be willing to go with your servants. We don't want to go without you. We want you to come with us. And he said, okay, I'll go. And so, you know, he's kind of the main man, so they didn't want to go without him. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. So we say, okay, well, no big deal. Everything's going fine. They're doing just what they said. But what happened? But one, but as one was <clears throat> fell in a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, oh, alas, my master, it was borrowed. He was using somebody else's axe, and he used it, and the axe head fell off into the water, into the Jordan River. And he went, oh, my goodness. You ever drop 
something metal into the water. It's not coming back, right? It's gone, and it's down in there. And he says, oh, no, oh, no. And he says to Elisha, uh, it was borrowed. He said, the problem is I was cutting it off, and the axe head fell off, and it fell into the river, and it's not even mine. So how am I going to go back to the guy alone? I said, I'm so sorry. I was cutting, and it fell off in the river, and I couldn't find it. So sorry. And of course, the guy would say, well, get me another one. Okay. Well, if I had the means to get one, I wouldn't have to borrow it, right? I mean, so he says, oh, what am I going to do? And so he tells Elisha, oh, no, it fell into the water and it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, well, where did it fall? About where did it go into the water? And when he showed him the place, he cut off a stick, threw it in there, and made the iron float. He took a stick. He said, so he says, where, about where did it fall? So he took a stick and the axe head floated to the top. Now that's a miracle because it's not going to do that, right? I mean, do, does that ever happen? It doesn't happen. It doesn't float to the top. So it floated to the top. And look what Elisha says, uh, take it up for yourself. Get it. He said, go ahead and get it. And so he took out his hand and he took it. And so he did. He got it. Now that's a little thing in it. We say that's a little thing, but it's not a little thing. And one of the great truths is this. God's going to take care of us. And God's going to provide for us. And you can see the guy going, what am I going to do now? I've lost the axe. Basically, I lost the axe that the guy loaned me. And God says, I'll take care of it for you. And so Elisha says, well, where did it go in? Through the little piece of stick in there. And for some reason, it floats. God provides for us sometimes in ways we do not expect. Isn't that amazing? I mean, there are times you'll say, I don't know what we're going to do, and then it happens. You know, the story of I went to Dallas Seminary, and I got that bill from State Farm for $92, and I said, where am I going to get $92? The next two days, I go and open the mailbox. There's a check from my old church for $92, and I wasn't expecting that. Sometimes God does things and provides in ways that we don't expect. And this guy thought, well, I lost that axe. And he said, no, no, you didn't. It's come back up. Amazing. Now for the next story. And this is the one I think you're going to like, okay? The army of Aram comes to kill Elisha. And what, and we could say, why? Elisha's been good to Aram. Elisha is the guy that heals Naaman, who was the captain, who was the, the, the great soldier. So what's going on? Well, let's see what happens. Look at verse 8. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel. Now they're fighting again. And he counseled with his servants, saying, let's go in such and such a place shall be my camp. He told his people, here's the king. He says, let's go camp over there. But watch what happened. The man of God, as Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, saying, beware that you do not go to that place, for the Arameans are coming down there. So whatever the king of Israel said to do, uh, the king of Aram said to do, he said, let's go camp over there. God told Elisha, they're going to camp over there. So Elisha would tell the king of Israel, they're going to camp over there. Don't go over there. And he'd go, okay, I won't. So everything that the king of Aram does, God is telling to Elisha, and Elisha is telling it to the king of Israel to protect him. Wow. And so that, what, would, what would he do? So Elisha would send word to the king of Israel. Notice, it says, The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you don't go to that place, for the Arameans are coming there. Now watch. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him, and thus he warned him. So he guarded him there more than once or twice. He said, This happened a lot of times that the prophet, would know, the prophet of God knew what the king of Aram was doing. Now think about that. What if you're the king of Aram? 
And you keep saying, how do those Jewish, how do they know where I am? I mean, I get my army get ready to go. We're going to sneak up on them and, and, and they know I'm there. How could they know I'm there? How could they know I'm there? And you know, he says, you know, the only way they can know I'm there is there's a spy. Somebody is a spy. That's what it is. Somebody is for them instead of us. Look at verse 11. The heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? So he's enraged because he's mad because no matter what he does, it seems like Israel knows. And he actually says, Who's for the king of Israel? Who's the spy? Which one of us, which one of you people, and I know it's not me, which one of you people is actually going and telling the king of Israel what I'm doing? Fess up. Which one of you guys is the spy? None of them are the spy. How's the king of Israel knowing? How's he knowing? Elisha's telling him. So watch. One of the servants said, Oh, no, my Lord, O king. It's not one of us. Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, he tells the, the king of Israel the words which you speak in your bedroom. He tells him everything you say. He tells him everything that's going on. He knows everything about you and what you say. And for some reason, every time you say something, he, he sends word and, and tells the king of Israel. And so he basically says he knows everything that's going on. The prophet, the prophet, Elisha knows all that you do, even in your bedroom. He said even when you're by yourself, quiet, and you would say, I think I'm going to go to the west. He knows it. God sends the word to him. So if you're the king of Aram, what do you think about that? Well, the very best thing I can do is go what? I've got to get rid of that Elisha guy because he's the one killing me. He's the one that, that everybody's finding out about it, so I'm going to have to do something about it. So here we're going to see that the army of Aram is going to come, and he's going to come after him. Look at verse 13. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, behold, he's in Dothan. So he got up with a plan. We're going to go find Elisha, and then we'll get him. So this is what we're going to do. So we're going to go after him. For, for uh, He knows everything I'm going, so I've, I've, got to, I've got to go after him. So he's in Dothan. That's a town, of course. And so what, what, the question might be, why is Elisha in Dothan? We don't know. He's he just there. And so he said he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and they surrounded the city. Now I want you to picture this. The, the, the king sent his army with a great number of horses and chariots, and here's, here's the town of Dothan, and here's Elisha. He's, he's spending the night there with most likely Gehazi, and they're in this little town, and there's mountains around the town, and the army of Aram comes and surrounds the whole city, and they've got chariots and horses and soldiers, and they're ready to go. And so it says in verse 14, he sent horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. See, they came by night. They thought, well... We're going to sneak up on him, and we'll be there. And in the morning, when Elisha gets up and is planning to leave the town, we'll just come in and get him. That's the plan. That's the plan. Well, here, here's, a, here's, you know, here's my thought. Uh, they're going to try to capture him at night, but, but here, you know, here's my thought. If Elisha knows everything, will he not also know the army has come? I mean, if Elisha, if it's true that Elisha knows whatever the king of Israel is doing, wouldn't Elisha know that he sent an army to surround him? I mean, you know, it's just, it doesn't add up because you think, okay, we'll sneak up on him and capture him. And well, if you hadn't been able to sneak up on him ever, how do you think you're going to sneak up on him again? Well, they think they got him. They said, well, he's in there and we've got him. 
So look at what happens the next morning. When the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots were circling the city. And his servant said to him, Oh, alas, my master, what shall we do? So it doesn't say who the attendant is. We're going to see that Gehazi's still alive. In fact, later on, Gehazi's still the attendant. So even though Gehazi's got that leprosy or whatever it is, he's still helping the best we can tell, Elisha. So he goes out that morning, and he gets up early, and he goes out that morning, and the attendant of the man of God got up early, and he went out, and what did he see? He saw a whole army all around him, and the chariots, and he goes, oh, my gracious, we're caught. We're caught. And so he says, oh, my master, what are we going to do? How are we going to fight these people? We, we, it's just us. What are we going to do? And so, look, so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What? I mean, he's with Elisha. It's Elisha and the attendant. Really, that's all that's there that's actually going to fight. He says, don't fear. There's more soldiers with us than there are with them. And you could say, I don't see any. He said, that's right, you don't watch Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of what? Horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He said, you don't have to worry. God is our strength and shield. And what, what there was is he says, O Lord, open his eyes. Elisha prays, open his eyes that he may see. And he opened his eyes and he could see the mountains that were full of horses and chariots of fire. And he looked out and he realized that wherever there was this army of the Arameans, the, uh, 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 you know, around, he looked that there were all the army of God all around him. And let me tell you something. We live in what? A fallen world? Is it fairly scary? I mean, we look at people, people are all afraid of the virus, people are all afraid of China, people are all afraid of Iran, people are going to bomb us, people are going to do this, they're going to make us wear masks, they're going to do all this stuff, and we got all this stuff we're all afraid of, but guess what? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And we got an army of God that's going to go before us. He is our strength and our shield. We don't have to be afraid of a fallen world because we have our God who is our strength and our shield. We don't have to be afraid of anything. And in the same way that, that, that God opened the attendant's eyes and he could see the army, the army of God, we need to recognize that we, not, we don't have to be afraid as we go through life. I see so many people living in fear. Quit being afraid, my gracious. Listen, if you're going to die, you're going to die. If you die, you'll be with the Lord. That's great. If you don't die, you're here. That's not as great. But, it, you know, let's face it. Quit being afraid of what's going to happen to you and stand for Christ in a fallen world and stand up for what's right and tell people what's right. And quit, and, you know, we're just hunkering down like we're afraid. We are the body of Christ with the strength of Jesus Christ, and we can do all things through the one who strengthens us. So it's powerful. So... Look, open your eyes, and let's realize who we represent. So what's going to happen? So here, here they come out, and of course the army of Aram, they don't know, they don't know there's an army around them. So what are they going to do? They said, we're going to go get him. And so verse 18, when they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike the people with blindness, I pray. 
So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now, the army came to get him, okay? They came to get him, and he says, strike them with blindness. Now, this is weird. So this army comes right up to him to get him, and all of a sudden he says, oh, Lord, strike them with blindness, and suddenly none of them can see anything. They don't even know where they are. They're just there, and they're going, what were we supposed to do? Where's the guy we were supposed to get? I can't see anything. I don't know what we're doing. And they're sort of stuck there. And look what Elisha does, which is amazing. Then Elisha said to them, verse 19, this is not the way, nor is this the city. You're in the wrong city and you're in the wrong place. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you're looking for. (laughs) He's the man they're looking for. You can just see him say, if you'll just follow me, I'll take you to the person you're looking for. And they go, okay, well, you don't know where we're doing or what we're doing. So he brought them. Guess where he brought them? What does it say? He brought them to Samaria. They're going to follow him. They prayed, strike them blind. He said they're going to follow him, and he takes them to the capital of Israel. He takes them to the heart of the enemy. Their enemy is Israel. The capital of the northern empire is Samaria. And there's the king of Israel is there, and he's fighting with the Arameans, and, and all of a sudden, he looks up, and here comes Elisha with a whole army of a ram going like this. And they're coming into the capital. They don't even know where they are. They don't even know what they're doing. And so look at verse 20. They came into Samaria. Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. They haven't been able to see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw. And behold, where were they? They were in the middle of Samaria. It'd be like we, we wake up in the middle of Tehran. We wake up in the middle of Moscow. We wake up in the middle of North Korea. I mean, all of a sudden you're there and you go, what? Wait a minute. We're not supposed to be here. We're supposed to have captured that guy and got back to our place. We're now right in the middle of the enemy. Now, what do you think the enemy's going to do? What would you do? This is your enemy. If Israel's been fighting these people, all of a sudden a whole army is now stuck in the middle of their city and they just got where they could see, you would figure that, kill them all. I mean, that's what you do with an army, don't you? Kill them all. But look what happens. Verse 20 again, when they came into the Samaria, Elisha said, oh Lord, open the... By the way, do you see the miracles? First miracle we saw was actually... The second miracle was he said, open the eyes of my servant so he could see the army. And now he said, oh, Lord, blind these people. That's another miracle. And now he says, oh, Lord, open their eyes. Now it's another miracle. So he's doing all kind of miracles in this little thing. He's blinded a whole army. Now he's opened the whole army. And all of a sudden, what do they realize? They realize they're right in the middle of the capital of their enemy. Verse 21, the king of Israel, when he saw, he comes out. He goes, what in the world? And Elisha says, this is the army of the Arameans, Aram's army right here. They came to kill me, but I brought them here. <laughs> Think about it. Then if you're the king of Israel, you go, well, everybody get some swords. We're going to kill these people right now. I mean, that's what you'd think they would do. Look what he says. The king of Israel, then when he saw them, he said to Elisha, my father. Now look what he calls Elisha. My father. See, Elisha and Elijah, as prophets of God, they were highly respected, even if they were hated They were highly respected. And he says, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And he says it twice, like, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Yeah. I mean, this this is my chance. This is my chance. 
And he says, oh, Lord, open their eyes. They saw it all. The king of Israel looks and sees the enemy, and he says, shall I kill them? What, what? Then let me ask you this question. What would you do if God brought your enemy to you? Every one of us have somebody that, and it may not be an enemy, enemy right now, that you may say, oh, there's nobody that's really after me. But sometimes in your life, there have been people that you thought they were after, they were after you. They were trying to hurt you. They were trying to get you. They were trying to do something. And what would you do if you had the chance? Let me say it this way. What would you do if you had the chance to get them? What would you do? Because sometimes people do us wrong and we say, if I ever get the chance, I'm going to get them back. And that's sometimes how we live, and our world does that. Our world says, listen, uh, we're all victims. Our world, everybody in the world is a victim now because somebody offended you, somebody said the wrong thing, somebody looked at you the wrong way, somebody didn't call you the right name, and so you're all offended at them and you want to get them back. That's what our world is today. And not us as believers. Uh, we, li- we represent Jesus Christ. And, and, and so what would you do if God brought your enemy to you? Well, look, look at the next verse. He answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those you've taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set them bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. He said, feed them. Feed them, take care of them, then send them back home. That's what you do. He said, you shouldn't kill them. He said, would you actually kill prisoners? See, there's always these rules of war that you don't kill prisoners. When you capture people, you just... Put them up and you don't kill them. And so he says, these are prisoners. I just brought them here. But we're not going to kill them. In fact, what we're going to do is feed them. We're going to have a party. We're going to have a banquet. We're going to sit down all the army of Aram, and we're going to feed them and give them food and give them something to drink, and then we're going to send them home. We're going to say, okay, you're free to go. Thanks for coming to the party. I mean, that's what he's going to do. And so he says... Set bread and water before them that they may go eat and drink and then go to their master. Jesus said, do what? Do good to those who hate us. Paul said, never return evil with evil, return evil with good. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. God says, never never seek vengeance yourself, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Let me tell you, what should you do to your enemy? You should love them. I'm not saying it's easy. In fact, I'm saying it's one of the hardest things we do is to actually do something good to somebody who did something bad to us. Somebody who hurt us on purpose. The Bible says, instead of getting vengeance, try to do something good for them. Now, I have to tell you, that's really hard to do because I don't want to do that. I don't. I want to get them back. But what does God say do? He says, love them. Take care of them. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. And I hear people say things like this. But listen, listen if, you, if you don't get them back, they're getting away with it. No, they're not getting away with it. Nobody gets away with anything. Vengeance belongs to who? The Lord. And he will do it. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God will even it up. He always does. People are not going to do evil and get away with it. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also what? Reap. God's not going to let people get away with it. He's going to, you, it. So what does he tell us to do? Return. So what, what was the plan of the army? What were they going to do to Elisha? They were going to kill him. What does he do for them? Protects them, feeds them, and sends them home. Never take your own revenge, beloved. 
Leave room for the wrath of God. Leave room. Like, like you don't get your own vengeance, because if you get your own vengeance, guess what? God says, oh, oh, okay, you decided to do it. Then I won't do it. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. That's exactly what Elisha did. For in doing so, you'll be heaping burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I have to say, I think it's one of the hardest passages in the Scripture. Elisha, the man of God, shows the enemy kindness. The person who wanted to kill him, the people that wanted to kill him, he fed and took care of them. So verse 23, so they prepared this great feast for them. I mean, it wasn't like bread and water. It was a feast. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master, and the marauding bands of the Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel, at least, at least while, not while that king's alive. They're, they're going to come later on. There'll be another king called Ben-Hadad, and he's going to come and that kind of thing, and we'll see that. But uh, he prepared a big feast, gave a party for the enemy, and sent them home. The army of Aram no longer went after the king of Israel. He's not after that one. Think about this. The miracle of the axe head, the miracle of the servant seeing the army, the miracle of blinding the enemy, the miracle of opening the eyes of the enemy, all of that is God using Elisha to show us how do we deal with people who are against us. And listen, all you have to do now is just say, oh, I'm a Christian, I've trusted Christ, and there'll be people immediately against you. Immediately against you, opposed to you, saying that you are a, a ignorant person and that you don't yet you're a hate you're a hateful person. And we as believers, we love people. Out of anybody that ought to be known as love people, that'll be us. So let us know that that God's our shield. Listen, He answers prayers, and all the way through, axe head floated. God opened his eyes, closed their eyes, opened their eyes over and over and over. God's there, and he always takes care of us. He answers our prayers. He's our shield. Let's remember vengeance belongs to the Lord, and it's so easy to get it back. And what happens sometimes is we don't get them back so much. We don't say, I'm going to get them back, but I'm never going to have anything to do with them again, and I'm never going to like them again, and I'm never going to say something good about them again. Well, the truth is, you you may not have to be with them. In fact, sometimes it's better not to put yourself in a situation where they could hurt you again. So I'm not saying go be the friend of somebody that's attacking you and hurt you, but you don't want to get them back. You want to just leave it. Leave vengeance to the Lord. Return evil with good. If something happens and you can help them, listen, let's just say this in a nice way. There are people that we like, and there are people we dislike. And even if a person we dislike, and maybe they've hurt us, if there is a need and there is a way we could help them, what should we do? We should help them. We should. We should. Because we represent Jesus Christ. We represent Jesus Christ. Never return evil with evil, return evil with good. The third thing is let's just know that God always provides. I think about the axe head just floating back up. God will always give us what we need. So we need to trust him that he's going to answer our prayers, that vengeance belong to him, and that he always provides what we need.